Welcome to another episode of the Unleash Business Podcast, where we interview business people to discuss their journey and unpack the lessons they learn along the way. I'm Jake Dawson, along with my co-host Trent Chapman. This week's guest was Steve Atkins. He has a great story on how from humble beginnings he was able to create this massive empire. Mate, and sort of blown away by the scale of it and how they got there, um, starting from sort of, I suppose, bootstrapping it, um, fake it till you make it sort of stuff and actually putting in the hard work to make sure they did make it to then growing it to an empire that sort of held what, 35 hospitals yeah. I think he said with some international interests and some really cool big stuff but I, the one thing I really liked about Steve is that it, a lot of the stuff that we spoke about is still relatable to small business. Mm. It wasn't your classic CEO uh, that you know got there by numbers or had an accountant background or whatever you know obviously had people in place to help him with that stuff but um you know the way that he looked at people people management you know the way that he could tell whether a hospital was going well or not um mm. was was just really impressive his his instincts and and you know the business acumen there was was something to really learn from um and obviously for those of you who know steve we do cover his golden rule yeah um so hopefully you remember that one. Jake. I do you remember that one. Yeah, written down. Yeah, um, and this one comes with a language warning as well for anyone who may be sensitive to that. Yeah, that's right. Make sure the kids aren't in the car or it's turned down. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> for now we'll just throw it over to Steve. It's yeah. you know born in Gloucester, uh, sort of. Um, my my dad was killed before I was one, and my poor old mum uh, had had a six year old, one year old, none year old me. And was sort of eight months pregnant at the time with my younger brother who who turned out to be severely autistic mm. and sadly passed away just a few months ago. But we we moved to Taree when I was four for my younger brother to start to get orientated to go to school, which was at mm. Dundaloo back then. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Fibro House in uh, sunny Chatham, Chapman Street. Yeah, lovely. Uh, hanging around... <laughs> A rogues gallery of local nice. identities. Nice some of, of which me are. to let you live in my street. <laughs> were you there? Uh-huh. Are you there? Trent Chapman. Chapman. <laughs> oh, Chapman. Oh, Chapman. I was wondering who you were. Uh, um, I just thought you Jake's mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he's like mostly known. But. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and Jake's I didn't think you had a mate, so I was shocked when you turned up. Jake's president. He, thought I, call me. he, thought, he thought I made you up. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed you were getting paid. Just here for fun. Um, yeah, so, so grew up, uh, went to Chatham. Primary, went to Chatham High um, and, you know, it's funny when I came back to Tari after sort of 26 years of not being back um, uh, at, and at that time we'd sort of bought the Mayo. Mm. But, you know, someone had sort of said to me, oh, I don't think you'll know anyone, Acker, you know. And of course you, you knew know everyone. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I went to Chatham and, and to be honest, you know, long story short, familiar story, uh, I was probably academically orientated Somewhere, but it didn't come out. Didn't show in <laughs> school. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't show. I mean, we we were sort of sporty, and um, you know, our mother, sort of, who stoic sort of, you know, uh, person, got us orientated into sports mainly so we were around other blokes and yeah, yeah, men yeah. and, and, and to get of, you out of the house, you know, doing something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thankfully, we were sort of okay at that, so mm. we we did all sorts of things. And basketball, as you guys know, was my yeah. passion. Mm. But um, I turned out to be a runner. I was a middle distance runner. Mm. And um, because of that, I was able to sort of get into university. So mm. it had nothing to do with my academic yeah. uh, abilities or, <laughs> or not. It, it was um, just You're lucky running. enough to get identified as being a good runner. And I sort of ended up with scholarships and stuff and yeah. got into uni. And then sort of one thing led to another. Yeah. Um, what what did you study? I did, and well, the only thing I had a, my, my um, what they call now ATAR mm. uh, was only the only thing I could get into at the time was nursing. Yeah, mm. and I'd been in discussions, sort of, with a university in America around um, going over there on a scholarship yep. as part of their athletic program. Wow! Mm. And by chance, the professor that sort of spotted me uh, running just you know, at, at a track one night yeah. and came over to me and said, I've just been talking to our head coach back in America and your splits are quicker than anyone over there. Uh, <laughs> will you come with us? Uh, I didn't end up going, mm. but um, we, he, was a, he was in the health sciences. Mm. And yep. he said, we want you to start a degree in health sciences. Yep. And by, by doing the first year of that, you may be eligible for our scholarship because I didn't have a high enough HSC mark. Yeah. 
to just naturally flow into a scholarship in the states. You got to you, you, you got to have academic yeah, sort of yeah. records, not yeah. just be As well. yeah. quick. You know. <laughs> so um, so I did that. Dropped out. Uh, worked with disadvantaged children, mm-hmm. uh, and then went back. Finished a nursing degree. Um, and when I went back, I'd, I'd matured a year or so and <laughs> actually got it done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what, what age were you here, about 21-ish? Young 20, yep. yeah, yep. sort of 21-ish. Yep. And um, But I spent hours every day practically at physio um, with my running. I, was getting, I used to get physio for an hour or two every day. Yep. And I then sort of went into a sports medicine business uh, with a physio mate of mine yeah. and our plan was to be rich and famous mm. and hanging around the Knights, this is in Newcastle, yeah, yeah. the Jets, the Falcons, <laughs> Marty McLeod yeah. and his mates yep. uh, and all we ended up with to be honest was really cool polo shirts yeah. <laughs> and but none of them had any money <laughs> and as a consequence of their lack of funds we had no funds. Yeah. We just had this sort of physio practice slash gym slash hydrotherapy pool that we Shit. had. Shit. all your yeah. friends. <laughs> and Let and all your friends, honey. We thought we were cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I, I stumbled across um, uh, with a guy that I became good mates with at BHP uh, at the tender age of probably 22. Uh, I went to him. He was HR manager at BHP, so he's a fairly uh, robust individual, yeah. I can tell you. Mm. And I said, is workplace health an issue for you? I won't tell you what he said to me, but it was... You, know, you can sort of yeah. imagine. I'd heard, yeah. it, I'd heard it before at Chatham. Uh, and um, <laughs> every day from the teachers. Uh, and um, he, what, I da- what dawned upon me at the time was that uh, if the Knights needed a really good program for managing injured athletes, uh, BHP needed a better one yeah. for managing injured workers. Yeah. Uh, we then orientated over a number of years, a couple of years... Um, a sports medicine model to industry. Wow. And um, to be honest, I, after a few years, I outsourced, they outsourced the BHP Medical Centre to me wow. and to my little um, business. Yeah. yeah. And we looked after everyone. So Hunter New England Health, all the hospital, public hospitals, the education department, every self-insured large manufacturing business. So this was you and the, the physio mate? Yeah, yeah, and then by then there was others. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah but that was, we were, that was there. That oh, you it's not just you two doing with. everything. Well, initially it was. <laughs> so actually day one this guy said to me, what can you do? And I said, oh, there's just me and a physio, right, my mate? Uh-huh. And uh, I said, but we could do physio. Yeah. But yeah. our model's not book in and see a physio next week. Yeah. Our model's not wait four weeks for an MRI. Our model's proactive. You know, yeah, if Andrew yeah. Johns needs an MRI, he gets it today. Yes. You know, we're not waiting around. This is sports med- a sports medicine mm, approach. Yeah. Obviously, injured workers, employers love that, yeah. right? Mm. And this guy rang me day one, which was a Monday morning about seven, and said, all right, mate, I've got 18 guys need physio today. Yeah. I said, hold on one second. Looked at me, mate, said, how busy are you? He said, I'm chockers. I said, send them two at a time. Yeah. And then between us, we just sort of fudged it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and worked it out. Mm. But that proactive approach of intervening and supporting injured workers mm. and employers um, obviously worked well. Yeah. And after a few years, we ended up with several practices and physios and, and yeah. all sorts of people doing all sorts of mm. things. Uh, we always did sports medicine. Yeah. And what we liked about our environment was it was healthy. So you'd have an injured BHP worker or nurse or teacher or whoever, boilermaker, yeah. uh, who's had a knee um, surgery, sitting on an exercise bike next to a Newcastle Knight. Yeah. He'd had a knee surgery yeah. uh, and it may have been the same surgery from the same surgeon, surgeon. on the same day and they're comparing their sort of rehabilitation story. Mm. And that was a really positive sort of environment. So that yeah. that then led me, that business, into um, Australia's largest private um, healthcare network. Mm. Uh, and I moved to Melbourne and sort of worked in a big sort of role with them. Yeah. Um, and doing all sorts of things. Um, by that stage, I'd done some studies in sort of workplace health and type stuff and, and started business studies. Yeah. But... but um, you know, for me, that wasn't what got me through. Yeah, it was just uh, the starting and and having a market by the sounds of it. Like, as in that that you know, you knew that there was people getting you know, workplace injuries, and and the what was happening wasn't up to standard. So, yeah, 
treating them like a sports. To be honest, what what got us? We knew no better, mm. so yeah. there were there were standards about treating people in these in in workers' comp. Yeah, and because we never read them, <laughs> a tender would come out for providing services yeah. to some business, and every other tenderer would say, "We'll see an injured worker in se- within seven days," because mm. that was the standard, yeah. mm. and provide a report within another seven days yeah. because that was the standard. Mm. Whereas we'd say. We'll see, we'll see him today and send yeah. you a thing tonight yeah. because we just didn't know any better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was, that's what we did for injured athletes. Yeah. And it just, that's just seemed sensible. Yeah. 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 If, so if it's possible, why not? Yeah, of course, we, yeah. we won all the tenders because it was a completely different approach. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. um, yeah, so that, that sort of that's Melbourne great. thing exposed me to hospitals and all sorts of other healthcare businesses. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of started, I, I guess I... It's probably twenty seven ish when I ran my first hospital. Yeah. CEO of a hospital, which turned yeah. out to be a maternity hospital, which and I do confess, uh, as 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 similar to what I, you're doing naive now. and bold as I am, yeah. Yeah. I did walk from the car park the first day thinking, What am I doing? <laughs> what, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm running a maternity hospital. Yeah. In Melbourne. Um, yeah. what am I doing? But um, you know, I I sort of took to that and mm. um up running networks of hospitals for those for, for a very large organization uh, which was um, owned by main nicholas at the time so yep. lots of them. and then um the opportunity presented itself to buy some hospitals yeah um and uh, me and a couple of mates of mine uh orient- orientated into that and yeah and somehow got got it done yeah um and um you know that was the start so, of healthy care yeah where yeah. was the first the first five, there were five hospitals and it was a, uh, the business that I worked for, the big company that I worked for, you know, long story short, um, Maine's owned a healthcare uh, network called um, Healthcare Australia. Yeah. Mm. Um, it then morphed into a sort of management buyout um, called Affinity Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Affinity Healthcare then sold into Ramsey Healthcare, which is a big um, Australian, mm. um, you know, blue chip yeah, um, yeah. slash global sort of healthcare uh, provider. A Triple C had some forced divestments from that acquisition because mm-hmm. uh, a big, a big, a big player was bought by a less lesser sized player. Ramsey yeah. was smaller. Mm. Um, they sold fourteen hospitals to a company called Healthscope. People would have heard of, mm-hmm. which was, to be honest, sort of the, what made Healthscope at the time. Uh, and then there were another five that got sold as a group. Yeah, and yeah. Um, the sports medicine business that I was in was called Lingard Sports Medicine Centre mm-hmm. uh, in Lingard Street, Merriweather, Newcastle. Mm. One of the first five hospitals was Lingard Private Hospital. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was, so I knew it well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there was one in Gosford. Gosford, North Gosford. It was called North Gosford Private. It's yep. now called Gosford Private. Uh, there was one in Brisbane mm. and two in Melbourne. Um, I knew all the hospitals um, well, mm. three of them in particular. Mm. And um, what we were looking for and found... We wanted grossly undercapitalized assets yep. mm. that were mismanaged in high growth markets. Yeah, yeah. That that whoever was selling them didn't understand. Yeah. 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 Um, that's what we got. So mm. you only wanted a unicorn then. Yeah. Nothing nothing, nothing. special. <laughs> no, well we we're lucky. We knew the two in Melbourne were a little bit trickier, but um, the other three, you know, so for us Well yeah, that Merriweather one is prime like it's a prime yeah. spot it's especially it is but it was, complex, it was a complex build yeah so for us you know how do you buy a hospital um you i mean to be honest understanding the asset itself is like one day's work mm-hmm. uh give us a PL, show us some kpis yeah, yeah. um what's the grand value and tell me what value? do you what do you do yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and let's have a wander around yeah. mm. um and then we spend three months on market analytics Mm. So wow. understanding market dynamics, um, we use an epidemiologist to go and um, do certain data for us around sort of growth within communities. So we can sort of project out by specialty or so we SRG, specialty related group, mm-hmm. you know, mm. orthopedics yep. mm. or DRG, diagnostic related group, knee surgery. Yep. Right. Yeah. We can break that down, current market, unmet demand in the market. So leakage, like a leakage yeah, yeah. report, yeah. who's mm. going to Newcastle from Taree or yep. Melbourne from Geelong or whatever yeah, it might yeah. be. And we can then sort of see what we think the underlying growth in those services will be. Mm-hmm. And if you marry that up to your health fund contracts, because you know people will be shocked that every private hospital uh, gets paid differently by every insurer for everything. 
Yeah. Really? Right? And it's negotiated every year or two. Yeah, right. So if you can understand the contracts, mm. you understand your current base, what you currently do, and where your strength is, your clinical strength and mm. those all those important yeah. things about um, you know, patient safety and care and all that all that what the fundamental building blocks to the um, business. But then importantly, you understand the growth profile within the community, yeah. mm. ageing profile, what, where the services may grow or not. Where the gap is in the services too. You then start to build. So by the end of that three months, you're taking what you understand of the existing asset and the history of that asset, but overlaying importantly, more importantly, on top of that, where you think there's opportunities to reorientate the service profile mm. and then grow into services that currently aren't being um, met to the demand that's there. Yeah. And if that happens to marry up with your contracts, you you know it's you, a valuable. You're, um, mm. you, you know you've got something that's interesting, and that's not to say that it's a it's just a financial benefit mm. because I think as people would appreciate um, in the healthcare space, you know being being a big corporate's not the answer. Mm. Mm. You know you've got to try and keep it real, and it's and these are these are you know the Mayo, um, which was one of our thirty four private hospitals, mm. and to be honest. Um, you know, we we love the Mayo and obviously you know Tari and mm. and, and all that. But um, I didn't spend a lot of time there, so people think I was the CEO of the Mayo. <laughs> but I actually rarely went to the Mayo, only because it was my hometown and yeah. I sort of knew everyone, and I didn't want to get in the way of the local CEO. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was often busy elsewhere, overseas, mm. and doing other things. Uh, if I, to be honest, if I did go to the Mayo, the Mayo used to have a laundry. Mm. They've shut it down, rec- you know, in recent times. But um, I'd often park out the back, mm. and I'd go in the back. I'd only go to the laundry, <laughs> and I'd sit in the laundry on a washing machine and just talk to the like the world's most the w- wonderful people. Yeah, the ladies, you know, Sharon and the gang that work yeah. in the laundry, <laughs> and I'd just sit in there and have a yarn to them She's and sort of say, "How's it all going? What yeah. do you reckon?" And <laughs> and I'd, I'd get enough of a sense of. They I mean, I could read a P and L. I could yeah. sort of yeah, get yeah, understanding yeah. of patient activity and. All those good things, but um, they'd give me the vibe, you know. Yeah, if anyone knows what's going on, and, it's Sharon uh, and the crew in, in, <laughs> in the in the laundry. So yeah. that's, um, you know, so that that was our sort of business model. Yep. So that was our underlying business model. Um, market analytics. To we'd end up by the end of the three months with a business plan for the next five to ten years for that asset, mm-hmm. and depending on that business plan, how how easy or hard that appeared. Yeah. And how much capital, because they're very capital-intensive businesses, mm. um, you know, that, that would determine whether we do the deal or not. So mm-hmm. whilst we bought 34 private hospitals in Australia and we bought assets in um, Singapore and overseas and um, in that same period of sort of 17 years or so, I, I probably didn't buy another 50 hospital assets in Australia okay. yeah. because we did the work and just it didn't quite add up. Mm. And, of course, what I was... Um, heading towards um, before I got stuck on the laundry. I like the laundry <laughs> story because I like those those <laughs> ladies that work there. But um, we we are. Uh, it's not just corporate finance. Mm. The mm. hospitals. Yeah. So that whole notion of growth. Yes, there's an economy of scale, a financial thing, and these are very capital intensive businesses. So you need to be yeah. lots and lots you need of to be on that. pour into it. But more importantly, they're also clinical care services. Yeah. So not doing much of something's not a great mechanism for financial reward or becoming the best practice clinically. Mm-hmm. Specialising, fo- focusing on areas of growth, putting capital into those areas so the staff, the gang have got what they need to provide the service um, better. Yeah. That's, um, it's better for the clinical circumstance and it's better, obviously, for the financial circumstance. Um, and, you know, if you compare a metropolitan asset, you know, we've, we've sort of, we had, um, you know, Sydney, lots of hospitals in Sydney, Melbourne and, you know, Brisbane, Perth and all that, compared to a more regional um, asset like the Mayo, mm. um, it's, a, it's a different circumstance. And mm. um, more regional assets are always going to do a smaller range, uh, sorry, a wide range of services to less scale, yeah, because that's the nature of, of what they are. The, the market doesn't allow for. Whereas in Sydney Metro, the hospitals are much more specialised. Mm. You know, where where a cardiac hospital, you're an orthopedic hospital, you you do a lot of urology and general surgery. You become more specialised just because the markets are Allows bigger it. and allow yeah. you to sort of do that. And that the the, the clinical thing and the in the financial thing then are a sort of different. 
Yeah. And from what you've explained, right, I, I picked three things that I was like, that would be incredibly difficult. One's your analytics stuff, just realising that growth and finding those unicorns, I guess. Um, the second one is taking it on and, and executing on the business plan. And the third one is saying no to what seemingly were good opportunities. So someone else would have bought those 50. Yep. Like, and so there's a part in your brain that goes like, if I don't buy this, someone else will. How did you detach that? Like, look, this is just pure fact. The it's emotion not for from us. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not from just like, yeah, but we could be at 36 if we uh, buy this. And if we don't, Ramsey will buy it and they'll have 152. It's a good like, question. We, we, um, it's, it became harder to, to be honest. And, you know, I'm, I mean, you, you guys know I'm, I'm not a corporate sort of guy, which is why hospitals probably work pretty well for me because yeah. I'm, I'm from Chatham High and yeah, yeah. I'm from Tari, you know. Yeah, yeah. much um, easier to be on the ground. Yeah, just sort of, you know. But we, it becomes harder and, and, and why it becomes harder is that as you get bigger, your, your investor scenario becomes more complicated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pr- whether it's private equity, overseas investors, you know, people are looking for a bit of colour and movement often in in businesses so when, yeah. when you go from being you know if i call five private hospitals small yeah. <laughs> to being 15 or 17 hospitals which i would call medium yeah to being sort of 50 assets which we start to say well maybe we're now a bigger business you know employ more people and all that um as you get bigger the temptation to get a deal done just because you've got a deal done well, and the pressure i'd imagine like your investors like you said they want to say looking flair, for they're something looking for growth that you know, they don't want to hear you say oh we've made a you know Ten percent natural growth. Yeah. Line. They, they, well, how so do we get to fifty? Why didn't th- you make more deals? I, th- I think there's an inherent challenge there, and I, I would. I mean, look, I'm no expert, but I'd imagine it's, it's you know, I own one one, um, one small shop in Tari, mm-hmm. and I just and I'm pondering setting another one up in Foster because mm-hmm. I think well, there's economy of scale there, mm-hmm. and I can yeah. I, I'd imagine it's the same dilemma. Yeah. You know, you sort of are. Am I just looking to grow for the sake of growth, growth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, or is there a market is a reason sensible, or a, yeah. you know how does this look um, so so that became harder over time and um, and to be honest less enjoyable mm-hmm. because one you, yeah you're probably not as convicted to that business case yeah right and two uh, you're just getting bigger, and yeah. w- one of the things that I found hard as time went by. So the last five years of my working life at um, Healthy Care, which we love, um, was mostly overseas. Mm. I'd be overseas most weeks, and I wasn't getting time to sit on a washing machine ch- ch- at yeah. the back of the Mayo talking to Sharon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and you know, places like Lingard, I literally would have known every staff member. Mm. And Lingard's and a big, big white one. Big place, you, yeah. yeah. We, grew, we built it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because um, my wife used to work at the Mayo and she was really interested in that one, but we never ended up moving away. So. <laughs> yeah, Lingard. So so you, you you go from, and to be honest, at the end of my working career, which is, it's, I mean, it sounds terrible saying it, but at the end of my time at Healthy Care, which I effectively, I, I mean, I effectively started it mm. and ran it and knew everyone. Mm. And in the, the most senior 250 people worked there, I think one of them was employed through an interview. Everyone mm. else was came with a business we acquired and we liked them. We yeah. gave, of course <laughs> we give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, or we we knew them and brought them in, and mm. so it was a nice sort of environment. Yeah. Mm. And towards the end, I'd go to a meeting and say to someone, whoever was sitting next to me, "Who's that? Who's that down the end there?" And they'd say, "That's the new CEO at such and such." Yeah. I go, "Oh, is it? When did they start?" Yeah. <laughs> right, and yeah. it was like. For me, it was that was the opposite of too much disconnect. What we were, yeah. mm. and you sort of start to think, what are we? We're, we're getting too big. We're losing that touch. Mm. We're losing that um, sensitivity to what's happening, and uh, and you know, that that becomes harder as you yeah. get bigger. Whether it's the business case, uh, yeah. convincing yourself the deal should be done, or just the day to day sort of operational management. And by then you're too big to reverse. You can't. You can't say let's let's hit yeah. reverse and, and settle it back down because yeah. you got you got bosses and you got people who I expect money. One of your other questions, which is my hot topic, um, really is um, something to the effect of: Did you write them down? I'm trying to read your notes. <laughs> uh, of um, 
how do you position yourself? So once you've convinced yourself that the business case makes sense and you should do the deal, you should yeah. buy the asset. It's then executing then on execute that. Yeah, on, that's my hot. That, yeah. that that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. So you said you build a five to ten year business plan, which is already yep. for probably for us and for most of our listeners already something like well, five to ten years. Man. We might build a five year business plan and refine it every six well, months because it's so. If you if you're setting up. Um, Two or three cardiac cath labs yeah, yeah. and ICU and you need and a someone to care unit that goes fifty next million dollars. You spent thirty mil. You, you, you need, sort of need, you need to sort there. of think about. It. <laughs> <laughs> you worry someone might say yeah. the board reading. What are we? What are you going to do next year? <laughs> you know, will it be okay? Sort of yeah. thing. So it's um, uh, for me, we I bought assets from some very large blue stock hospital companies, mm. right? And the strategic plan for the hospital asset was one page. Mm. And I'd read it and say to someone, what is it? <laughs> what yeah. do they do? Mm. Didn't really make like, sense. What? Yeah, it was fluff. <laughs> yeah. Our strategic plans off the back of that market analytics and just the work, di- work we did were hundreds of pages long. Mm. So we changed. It was a completely different approach. Yeah. Uh, and a much more structured approach to that sort of thinking around what are you trying to do? Mm. And we were pretty good at that. Yeah. That, that probably stood us apart from others to the average investor. Mm. Okay. What actually stood us apart wasn't that. That, that was crucial. Mm. And whether it was your thinking or my thinking or, heaven forbid, Jake came up with something. Yeah. <laughs> someone came up with a cunning plan that made some sense to us. Yeah. Right. Average investor looks at those strategic plans and go, geez, these guys are good. Yeah, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. I'm going to put some money in. That wasn't the secret source. Yeah. The key was having people in a position to follow to execute. Yeah. Um, And I was telling you guys, I'm not sure I. Uh, we, you've, you've censored me. No, no. I was going to no, ask this if, if you didn't go down it. I was going to ask about your golden but, rule. You know, we talk about the golden rule, and um, and I'm, you know, Sharon will be listening to this. Used to work in the laundry at the mail and be horrified by yeah, my we'll use of language. To her. But um, you know, we we'd employ you know a CEO in a hospital, and um, I'd sometimes there were people that had done it before, and sometimes there were people that hadn't, mm. or sometimes there were people that we just uh, acquired the asset, mm. and they they came with it. And as I said, we we love them, we give them the benefit of the doubt. But I'd always turn up day one to any of those people, mm-hmm. and I'd wander around with them and have a yarn and. Meet some, meet some gang and the, the hospitals like Lingard where I knew everyone or a new asset where I didn't know anyone but we'd wander around and get to know people and then we'd sit down and have a yarn and, and towards the end of that yarn I'd say do you want to know the golden rule to running a hospital and and Jake this applies to anything in life mm. you should write it down <laughs> right um, study and, and of course the new CEO would say oh Steve yep yeah, please what, what's the golden rule to running a hospital and I'd say no one likes a fuckwit. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they'd go, okay. Because sometimes you don't know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're in that cohort. That's right. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you don't know you're a fuckwit. Yeah, that's right. But there's, you, always, there's always one in three are a fuckwit. And if you don't know who that is. <laughs> so the, the message in that, which I, I, I put so crudely um, for effect, to be honest, was you're no use to us if people don't like go you. with you. Yeah. And it's not that they think you're a fuckwit or not, or they, it's not that they like they need to like you, but if they don't... They don't trust an you. An overused term, but if they don't think you're an authentic sort of character and mm. you're, mm. you know, you're all right, yeah. what are you going to do? Mm. So we could have the best strategic plan in the world. You might be a genius. We might be a genius. We've got this great plan, but if you can't implement it, if you're not in a position to be successful, what are we going to do? And to make the right decisions, like you said, authentically. So in hospital land, we'd go on, I'd go on to say, it's a new hospital for you, you've not been here before, you don't need an office, and we're going to harass you with you know, stupid emails. Ignore them. Turn your computer off. Don't go in your office. Walk around the hospital for the next six months. Go in the theatres. Go in there. Meet everyone. Spend your time. You'll work out who 
knows what they're talking about. Yep. And they're going to start to tell you what needs to happen to put those building blocks in place for us to then be in a position where we might be able to implement our strategic intent. Mm. Mm. Right. But if you can't do that bit, we're whistling Dixie, right? It ain't going to happen. Yeah. Mm. So our real reason for being successful was, was yes, we had good strategic intent and I think well fought through sort of plans around that around markets and, and assets. Mm. Um, we had access to capital and worked hard on that piece, which is another story all, yeah. altogether. But to be honest, it was really because we were able to attract people into our business that um, could get themselves in a position within their business, um, their, their asset, the hospital business or whatever else we had other healthcare mm. things but the hospital business and um they could get in a position where they could actually implement the strategy and yes of course over that strat- strategic plan things change you know yeah. and every year we'd catch up or you know every, sorry, every day we'd catch up but we'd review the strategic intent and business mm-hmm. case and budget every year mm-hmm. and yes things would change but at least the person was in a position to go with that and make those changes and be Implement successful. It, yeah. That that was – and to be honest, uh, whilst I don't think businesses do enough uh, market analytics and sort of that research piece, mm. um, uh, and it's hard work, that's why they don't do it, yeah. mm. it's relatively straightforward if you know what, you, if you know what you're looking for. Um, that other piece of positioning yourself within the business and allowing people to do – and helping people to do that – that's that's some work, mm. and that's that's the hard work, and it's not it's an art, not a science. If you, if you sort of get what I mean, and yeah. I think a lot of people like sometimes don't even class that as work, as in that's you know, I, you know, I'm not doing anything. Like if you just said to a CEO of a company, just go around know the people for the next six months. You know, don't worry too much about the emails, like you said, and all that stuff. Some of them have a heart attack because they're not working or not getting back to emails or whatever. Like you know, or worse still, you're in a small business and you're focused on that stuff and. Everyone accuses you of never working. <laughs> <laughs> or, you, or, or even worse, you spend your life doing podcasts. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Worse still. Um, I think there's a... There's I've a got two today. Is that a huge... Uh, there's a huge consistency between that and I think it was our last podcast with Shane Madden, their um, RSL group, Bottlers and stuff, and that their system was very similar analytically. Is it like... Here's our, here's our metric as to what we look for. If it doesn't fit that, it doesn't fit that, we've got to move on, um, which I think it, it's important to note because they, they had that, that metric from small to big. Like it's not just a hospital metric. It's not only when you're spending $30 million, you could be spending 500 grand or 100 grand or whatever that you need to find what that, that product market fit is and make sure that it actually works and that it's – either scalable or, or returns on your investment. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, um, and anyone listening, uh, uh, no one may listen. <laughs> but if anyone Probably listens, not. <laughs> um, Maybe if we take the snip of you saying, and Jake, listen to this. <laughs> yeah, you know, deep. <laughs> Write this d- down. <laughs> deep, who everyone knows and we all love, um, my wife, my lovely wife, um, reminds me now that I'm a cattleman. Mm. Um, she says to me, "I know you can buy them. Mm. I don't know whether you can sell them." Right? <laughs> so, it's that's at the end of the day, we've all got that. Mm. You know that um, going going broke's not the answer. Yeah. Bankruptcy's not the <laughs> not yeah. the answer to this. Yeah. So we we have to um, you have to f- follow some underlying principles. We were lucky enough. We sort of set healthy care up in two thousand and five. Mm. And um, we brought a minority private equity investor into the business um, in August 2007. Mm. Um, Just before 2008. Yeah. Good timing. <laughs> well, it was interesting timing yeah. because, and again, I don't know if this is a, a, a today conversation, but we had quite a sophisticated property REIT um, scenario mm. where we'd buy the asset, we'd do the work, diligence, we'd buy the assets and then we'd we'd move the property into a property REIT mm. uh, and use property REIT financing to do bricks and mortar sort of redevelopment, mm. you know, make the – do the Lingard yeah, um, yeah. thing. Um, and so, yeah, the global financial crisis around property REITs in particular was not – it was a, it was an interesting um, period. Um, we always retained the right to buy hospital assets back off the REITs. Mm-hmm. So in actual fact, that one Gosford Private, which is now – would be the biggest asset within the healthy care portfolio, we bought that back off a REIT – to put liquidity into the REIT 
to then spend on Lingard mm. effectively. So mm-hmm. that, that's an interesting sort of talk. But, um, yeah, so we all have to get a financial return at the end of the day and, um, you know, our business was no different to anyone else. Mm. And the private equity investors, um, and we had a minority one for a handful of years, uh, Champ Ventures out of Sydney, and then uh, we went into a minority um, private equity ownership structure with a group called Arch Capital, uh, the boys. Uh, and um, and girls gang the gang, um, and they bring with them a range of things, but sort of rigor around that matrix circumstance mm. and sort of the hard facts mm. um, is the stuff is that's easy them. to ignore when when you got six metrics and five of them are green. Yeah, it's a pretty easy to ignore the red, I guess. Yeah, the, 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 they become experts because they're looking at so many assets, mm. um, and then buying into all different types of businesses. So you might find, you know, a bottle shop network has the same uh, investor sitting next to them as as a hospital group and and yeah. BP and whoever you know the shoe store and whoever it yeah. might be, right? So they they just become experts in sort of deciphering detail, yeah, and yeah. modelling detail. To, to find um, the, the good and the bad in whatever it is mm. might be happening financially and that provides a rigour that comes with it that you, you then absorb mm. as, a, as a management team. And you, you learn from them the mistakes that they've seen other people make so you don't have to make the same mistakes. I, I think in, in that financial sense and sort of investor sense you do. Yeah. And it's really value they're looking for is in something that's potentially worth more than what they can acquire it for. That's really what they're looking for that doesn't matter their, like their model was a little bit different to mine i'd like to think jake yeah. and <laughs> please don't correct me on this but their model was uh, my model you'll recall trent um was um distressed no. Distra- no you should <laughs> yeah please rem- you'll, you'll remember that i'll get you a t-shirt yeah. um <laughs> was um distressed uh, undercapitalized asset yeah poorly managed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there was some operational improvement that could be had early which is nice and in high growth market, yeah, private equity is slightly different. Uh, undercapitalized asset, starved of capital, yeah, uh, with a good management team, yeah, right. In high growth markets, mm. that's their model, and and effectively they're invest investing in management teams mm. that they think are well positioned to yeah. spend the capital that they've got, yeah, in markets that are going to grow, mm. um, and what they're looking for is, I reckon. Um, and it appears differently in the diligence, I can tell you, but they're effectively looking for what I described. Mm. They're thrilled to see that there's good strategic plans. They're thrilled to see that there's strong management frameworks and sort of governance, obviously. They're thrilled to see that there's um, good business sort of um, intent and, and business case sort of analytics, but what they're really looking for is, is this management team well-positioned to, to be successful mm. on whatever it is the investors and management team come up with in terms of strategy. And if they convince themselves that you are in a business that needs capital, their capital, mm. and high growth markets, they're, um, they're excited. They're in. And so I assume that's where you become the wholesaler. <clears throat> You're looking for a business with poor management. You become that management reassurance that they're looking for. Yep. As in they, they wouldn't touch the asset unless you were in the middle to say, look at the other twenty that we've turned around, we can we can take this management team because I was going to circle back to that. You said you give everyone a go, but you're also looking for hospitals with poor people or poor poorly managed assets, I guess. You give everyone a, the benefit of the doubt, yeah. Um, and 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 so what you're assuming there is that someone hasn't given them the guidance and the resources to do their job effectively. Yeah. Well. I, well. I would naturally assume that if you've got a strategic... Hospitals are a pretty complex thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's not... There's a lot to it. There's a lot to talk about. And, you know, just that underlying business sort of governance thing, the clinical governance thing, I mean, you can imagine, right? And then they're tricky. You're getting paid by health insurers. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're managing... You've got doctors and, oh, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's tricky. Mm. And... If you've got a strategic plan, you may not have one. Mm. If you happen to have one and it's one page long, mm. even though I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt, I'm assuming that you've not been well supported 
or there's not been enough thinking put into this business. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So Again, we will say it. we're going to come and help you. Give you that clear direction. We're going to help you with that. We've done a bit of work. Here's, we'll, we'll, let's do it together. Let's work it out. Mm. We'll support you. We're going to bring capital. Yeah. Um, yeah, there must be a, you've been here 15 years. There must be a million things you want to do. Yeah. Right? Um, what do you want to do? Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's work it out together. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, and I'm sort of probably a little bit different than some, but I, I was never really looking for a hospital CEO that had, you know, a PhD and whatever, mm-hmm. or, or, or you had to have an MBA or you had to have a – I was looking for people that um, were passionate about what they were doing. Doing good services. And could position themselves in that business we talked yeah. about and um, cared about what was happening with, with – um, the staff and the doctors and the community and and all of that mm. and um, we're out of bed and you know I, I tell people I sort of um I, kids that sort of come to the farm and different kids that I have a yarn to I when I got the big opportunity coming out of the sports medicine business into this big business um, the big the big boss happened to wander into the sports medicine center and he said you and I should spend some time together I said yeah yeah what do I know? <laughs> and he said, my office is in North Sydney. I was in Newcastle. Um, I'll see you Monday, 9 o'clock. Mm. I got to his office at 5 a.m. <laughs> right? So I – because I, I didn't want to be late. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I went to his office, saw the door. It was all black. No one was there, obviously. 5 a.m. Then waited till 7 until the coffee shop opened and then got a cup of coffee. Went back. He arrived at like 2 to 9, 2 minutes to 9. And he said, oh, good, you're on time. I said, yep. <coughs> right. Did you tell him at that point? You'd no, been there? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. But Not there to glow. That's what I – Yeah, yeah. I walked into a hospital CEO's office one day. This is just some colour for this podcast mm. thing. You want someone to listen, be entertained. <laughs> I walked into a hospital CEO's office one day. I won't say the hospital. Wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't around here. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't know I was coming. I just sort of wanted in mm. and, and – um, there was no one in the office and they weren't in the hospital. But the form guide was open on the desk. So, you know, putting two and two together because I'm a sophisticated character, <laughs> I assumed <laughs> they were at the tab. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was their last day. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, you know, you 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 still got to run a business. you still yeah. got to make hard decisions. Yeah. Um, and I knew that person for a long – I'd known them for 25 years well – and all in all, pretty good uh, hospital executive, but that wasn't the that that wasn't what we were looking for because I didn't think that was putting everyone in the hospital would have known mm. that's where they were, yeah, and that's not putting yourself in a good position to be successful. Maybe when the going's good, it's okay. Mm. Well, when when there's a when there's a problem or something's hard or those difficult things that occur or discussions to be had, that doesn't help. Yeah, you know so. I, I was always looking for gusto and passion and, um, you know, and someone who cared uh, more than someone else. You know? Yeah. I, I, I could have completely skipped this. I'll, I read a – I think it was Harvard Business Review article a few weeks ago about authentic leadership and I could have skipped the whole thing and just don't be a fuckwit <laughs> because so, a perfect summary and it pretty well explained everything that you're saying, which is that if, if you're a leader and you stand at the front of the room and you say – this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do. All right, thanks, guys. I'm heading to the pub, all you guys do it all. You say, like, we care about taking care of people. And then someone says, oh, you know, we need X to be able to do our job. And they say, no, you have to do it without it. Um, it, it was those small things, and you see it consistently, especially through small businesses where someone says one thing and does another and then can't understand why their staff leave or mm. why they have those internal problems because... They're not being authentic to what they're actually saying. Yeah. They're being and, a fuckwit. And I learned it in that first hospital I ran, that maternity hospital. We had this Scottish uh, midwife, Isabella. I, rem- I, I remember her well. Uh, and she would have been, you know, I was 27. She was 60. Mm. And, um, you know, if you're a 60-year-old Scottish midwife <laughs> working in an Australian hospital, you you, yeah. you know you know your yeah. staff and you're yeah, being yeah. around and you're <laughs> relatively robust, uh, which you need to be. Um, she ran that unit and it was a big, busy maternity unit, complex, um, fi- financial, commercially complex and, and complex clinically, obviously. And I realised, I was asking her to do something 
which I recall, but I won't. It's not relevant mm. to this discussion. But I was asking her to do something with her team, and because I was young and naive, it took me a while to realise what I w- what I was asking her to do, she couldn't do. Mm-hmm. I was putting her between a rock and a hard place, and no one was going to benefit from it. Yeah. yeah. And eventually, I cottoned on and sat her down and sort of said, "Sorry." I, yeah. I, I now get it. Yeah, I'm yeah. asking you to do something that you're not in a position to do, which was no fault of hers. Mm. It was just didn't work, right? Yeah. So we, we still got it done. We just she and I just worked out how to do it differently, and and that's the thing. And when those moments, as you've just said, Trent, when those moments arrive, as they do, um, that's when you know whether, well, to use the the phrase we've been <laughs> using, that's when you know whether people think you're a fuckwit or not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When those yeah. when those times. Um, come along. Yeah, I mean, it's easily the worst thing about middle management is that you are getting squished between up and uh, and down, especially when there's no congruency from from the ladder down. So if everyone's being authentic the whole way down, it's not that big of a deal because everyone obviously in the bottom it absorbed that, they understand it. There's some pushback, but minimal. But it, people wonder why they lose business managers or supervisors or something when they're asking their supervisor to do something. It's inauthentic, and there's and you're standing at the front saying, "Hey, staff, but this is what we should be doing." Mm. You're just putting someone in a in a position, like you said, a rock in a hard place. They just cannot. You can't operate like that. Well, the other thing I reckon occurs, and I mean, you guys will be getting sick of. Everyone will be getting sick. Um, the the three listeners you have will be getting sick of <laughs> <laughs> hearing from me. We'll probably have four people listening to this one. Yeah, <laughs> um, we. The other thing that happens is, let's say you've got some sort of plan, right? Strategic plan, or you've got some notion of what you're trying to do. Mm. Um, you know, I reckon most businesses, small, medium, or large, and some of these big hospitals, I'd wander around and I'd say to the people in the laundry, I'd say to the nurse, I'd say to the neurosurgeon, "What are they trying to? What, what are you lot trying to do?" They'd say, "I don't know. <laughs> get paid. No idea." <laughs> How's it going? You reckon it's going good or bad? Don't know. So you say to Isabel, the midwife who's worked at the hospital for 37 years, maternity hospital, she's it. Yeah. She's the most important person. How do you think the hospital's going? She goes, I don't know. I say, has no one ever talked to you about that? She'd say, no. I say, really? Do you want to know? She'd say, yes, I've been waiting 37 years for someone to tell <laughs> A bit of feedback. I say, well, have a look at this. <laughs> right? So... What we ended up with was starting in that strategic planning cycle, not in diligence, but once we'd bought the asset or the, the facility, the business, we'd, we would invite those people in, mm. including doctors who worked at the hospital. And what I aimed for, and I'm not sure we ever really got to the end of this, but um, I wanted every single person in that business, whoever it is, neurosurgeon, executive, you know, part-timer, Mm. if I wandered up to them or you wandered up to them and said, how's it going here and what are you, what are you guys all about, you know, mm. that they'd say, oh, thanks for asking. What we're all about is at the moment we do a lot of orthopaedics but we think what sits nicely with that is neurosurgery and we've got these three new young neurosurgeons and we know there's market there so we've just started spending all this money on robotic surgery mm. and we're going to be the centre of excellence for neurosurgery in five years' time. Mm-hmm. How good is that? You know, and people are, wow, you know, you know, you, yeah, there's a plan. Big difference, yeah. yeah. Right? As opposed to, I don't know, I, I've got no idea yeah. what we're trying to do here. Yeah. I just know I what just I'm come doing to tomorrow. I know yeah. what I'm doing you know? in 10 minutes. And, and it, it might be easy to think that people don't want to know. Oh, I can okay. assure you, everyone wants to know. Yeah. And they're desperate to know. Mm. And they can't get enough of knowing. Mm. Do you think um, that helps with things like staff retention, things like that? Yeah, that buy-in, that you know, vision to the... Well, at the risk of being cruder than yeah. I've already been, which is difficult, um, it sort of gives people the sense, maybe, that you give a shit. Mm. Yeah. Which would be nice. It would be nice, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll spend a bit of time with you and tell you what I reckon and you can tell me what you reckon mm-hmm. and I'm still going to do what I think's best because I'm the boss, yeah. but... You've We've had, had a yarn about it. Yeah. Mm. And even if I do what I want to do and it's different to what you think I should do or we should do, mm. 
at least we've taken the time to have a yarn about it. Listen That's to right. it. And you sort yeah. of say, well, that was good. No yeah. one's ever asked me before. Yeah. And seriously, I'd buy a hospital and I'd go, I'd go in on night shift. Yeah. And they'd say, who are you? i say, I'm Steve. <laughs> you the bloke that support this hospital? i say, yeah. I say you seem alright I say yeah I'm a cracker <laughs> What do you got And you'd sit on the nurse's station And say yeah. How long have you worked here I've done night shift here For 32 years Or 18 years I'd say How often someone Wandered around And had a yarn I'd say Never I don't even know Who the CEO is I never see them I'm on night shift All the time mm. you say oh, I'd be really interested To see what you think About the place mm. How's it all going You know What do you reckon mm. And you have And they being heard is a massive yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, and the only problem with that model, of course, is it's a lot of hours. Yeah, so yeah it's hard. And as that's you get, why no one does it. As you get it. bigger and yeah. busier, and it, it becomes harder. But did, um, did you learn to scale that better? Like, obviously, as you said, if you're the CEO of it's one the hospital, it's possible. It's the people. Yeah. yeah, is that you? Then trust your people are doing a similar thing, and, and I'd go, I'd go, I'd visit a hospital in Melbourne and say to the CEO, um. You're hungry? Yeah, well, let's go and grab a food and then we'll come back and see the night stuff, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay, Steve. And walk in and literally say, hey, you lot. Who's I'm this? Steve, do you know this? <laughs> <laughs> and I say, that. Nah. I say, he's running the hospital or she's running the hospital. Yeah. She's a cracker. Yeah. You should get to know one another. Mm. Yeah. You know, oh, okay, Steve. <laughs> you know, because in a hospital it's 24-7 experience, right? Mm. It's 24-7 business. And I can tell you now on a Sunday at, a, at the average hospital, it's the same staff there. Now, in a hospital executive structure, take a hospital of a decent size, um, you might have 20 executives, managers, middle managers, managers, yeah. right? Mm. They're not there on Sunday, I can tell you. Mm. And they're not there on night shift. Yeah. There's one senior nurse, an mm. Isabel, yeah. with a set of keys and a mobile phone, and she's running the joint. Mm. So I might think I own that hospital. Doesn't run without her. On night shift, on Saturday, on Sunday, on afternoon shift... Isabel owns that hospital. Mm. She owns the hearts and souls of the staff and the patients and the doctors. She's mm. their fallback. And, and, and she's bringing the guacamole and you're bringing the chips on Sunday and you have an afternoon tea because you've known each other for 32 years <laughs> and worked Sunday afternoons together. Yeah. Right? So I wander in and start calling the shots and you don't know me. It's going to be a problem. You might start <laughs> to think I'm a bit of a fuckwit. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, you know, how, you how, does, rule. how does that work when... Isabel's actually owning the hospital seventy yeah. percent you know, of the time yeah. when my managers are all at home, you know, not not there. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So how do you find a mechanism to sort of bridge yeah. that those relationships? And it's when that stuff so starts to get broken that Isabel's happy getting paid what she paid, doing what she's doing. And as soon as someone puts that pressure on her, that's when she's like, "Well, I'm doing all this work. You're doing." Stuff all. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why you said like three to four times. Um, stuff all. Um, and that's when it cycles back to I should be paid more, or you know, th- that, and that that's what cr- creates that disconnect of of you're adding no value. I am. You've you've just hit the nail yeah. on the head. So seventy percent of the time, someone else is running the business, and while the going's good, that's good, and then you pitch up and say. Oh look, we got to do something that's going to be hard, mm. right? You're not going to like it. Mm. No one's going to like it, but we got to do it. Then, then, then you'll then you'll find out, you know. Um, and but anyway, that's that's. Um, I, I'm not sure what I'm explaining is unique. I think every business has similar things, um, and if you can navigate your way through that well, mm. and that positioning piece. Mm. Um, that that's important. So, if I was ever, I, I occasionally someone rings, say, Steve, can you come and help do a thing for it? Have a look at a thing, like a consulting thing, and I don't because I'm, I'm, you know, Tari's number one cattleman. Mm-hmm. But we, um, <laughs> the cattle industry here, fall over if I was out. Yeah. <laughs> but we, um, they naturally think it's that looking at the finances, looking at the market analytics, helping yeah. with strategic intent or position. It's not. If they what they should get me to come and help them with is, if anything, maybe they shouldn't. But is that positioning piece? Are you positioning yourself correctly to implement whatever yeah. ideas? Well, I you think that's what missed one of what, the most. Yeah. Like that, you know, genuinely talking to people and asking, you know, would this help? You know, what's what's their view on it? And 
Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head with that. That's that's super important. Yeah. Well, and I think you just said that it's not unique and it's not unique, but it's one of those things that people don't realise until it's said or until they hear it, until they read it and they think, oh, geez, you know what? I have been disconnected from the mm. people. And, you know, I hate Bobby now. Bobby's worked for me for 15 years and now I hate him. I never hated him before. What's changed? Is it Bobby or is it me? You're not spending, you, you, you've stopped spending time together. Yeah, that's mm. right. And so then that disconnect and that, that lack of communication is what you what makes you think, Bobby's a fuckwit now. Mm. Yeah. and Because yeah. obviously no one looks in the mirror and, and sees a fuckwit. Mm. Yeah, so for so us, Jay. the first year of healthy care, I spent 330-odd nights away from home. Yeah. Second year, only about 325. Yeah. So... That's that work-life balance. I was sitting in some hospital somewhere... Mm at midnight talking to the night staff mm. and getting up and then flying to the next one at six to then wander around and talk to people and spend time with them so that they might get a sense that I care. Mm. Um, and if they get a strong enough sense that I care, maybe they, maybe they start to care what I think. You yeah. know, and that's um, The hard part, though, is that it's hard to hard to know if you're doing it right or hard to feel good about it because you can look at a PL and say, Yep, that's the goal. Um, but you can't measure how it feels. So then you just I don't know if you feel the same, but you just end up beating yourself up like, Oh, I haven't done have I done enough? Have I been in front of these people You'll enough? Mm. People if you, unless you you know, you know, like if I went to the Mayo, let's say I went to the Mayo, sat on washing machine, you know, Sharon comes along and, and I say How's a new bloke going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she'll say, "Yeah, he seems really good," you know. Or, oh, yeah. yeah if, that, if it starts with all, what more do you need to know? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, that's you, 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 if you if you're not if you don't know, you're not spending enough time. And is mm. it a perception is reality thing with that? Like, you know, there's there's no metric necessarily on it, but like you said, if you ask that question, well, the you know, P something, yeah. but um. And it's important, obviously, because business doesn't operate. Actually, some, someone me. sent me an e- someone I worked for in the early days of that big organisation sent me an email one day saying because the the business unit I ran did was doing well, they sent me an email saying even a turkey can fly in a strong wind. <laughs> 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 right, <laughs> and, I, and I thought fair enough. <laughs> um, so so sometimes market forces are what they are, you know, but. Um, yeah, you, you know, I, I guess when I'm going, as I said, if I'm going to a meeting and I don't even know who the CEO is mm. running mm. that hospital for me, there's a fair chance I don't know whether they're doing all right or not or what the staff of that hospital think. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's you're just not spending enough time with folks. All right. Yeah, well, in the in the interest of time, there's the sort of one question we like to ask at the at the very end of all of them, um, and that is, if we got you on in five years, what would you like to be talking about then? Um, geez, I'd I'd like to be I'd like to be talking about all the things that have happened in our community, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and um, you know that we've got, you know, we, uh, maybe it's an overused term, sort of infrastructure, but Things that we want to have happen in the community, whether it's infrastructure spend or just enhancing the life of people, in particular, sort of young people, that that we're doing some of that, mm. you know. So, you know, we we're sort of he- we're here, we're part of. We've been I've been back in Tari now. It's sort of like ten years or so, and yeah. it's been great, and we love it, and um, we like um, just to help out and and support things that are local mm. things that are happening. Mm. And there's lots of those. I mean, you guys know yeah. better than me, but um, it'd be nice for that trend of sort of getting stuff happening. Uh, at the risk of sounding overly whimsical, um, you know, I'm trying to get Iron Arena built, and we, we will. Um, it's not just so we've got more courts for basketball, futsal, netball, indoor hockey, whatever it might be. That's great. We need mm. that, right? But... Uh, what I'd really like to achieve in things we do locally is lift the aspiration of people. Yeah, mm. that's great. Mm. Right. Um, I worry that we can easily have a mentality of, oh, it's too hard. It's pretty shit. Yeah. You know, well, you know, I, I'd like that mentality to shift over time to, we can do it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Let's have a crack. Yeah. We, we, let's make it better. Right. 
Um, so that's, I, I think, um, not that I think that's some, some, a role for me, mm. but if you know, it'd be nice well, for us. Well, you need more people thinking like that. Yeah, the community definitely. just to lift our spirits and yeah. lift, lift, our, lift, lift up our aspirations and... Mm. And, um, and drag people with you and, and and move us along and get some momentum around that community thing that we all yeah. want and yeah. um, and I think that'll be great for all of us but in particular for sort of young people growing up in this area yeah well Jake and I won um, Tari Men's Thursday night C grade winter comp <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it really put a put a spring in our steps yeah. there well we deep, thank you if deep allows me to come out of medical retirement. <laughs> You um, join us I, I, in C-grade. I might come into the ugly and stupid and <laughs> put the cat amongst the pigeons. I'm not, I don't score. I'm not very good. <laughs> and I get hurt every week. <laughs> so hence the medical retirement. Yeah. Back all. Awesome. Oh, well. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Abe. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. Thanks for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell a friend and also let us know who you'd like to hear from on the podcast.